0: there everyone well welcome back to another episode of classic gaming brothers i'm seth and i'm zach and we are the classic gaming brothers
1: we are the classic gaming brothers that's
0: right Right. all right there we go um (laughs) that's the podcast i think i think we make that joke like every fourth episode we say we say all right that's it but yeah, well, welcome back to another episode. So I just wanted to once again thank uh, Mike Case for joining us uh, last episode. It was a lot of fun having him in the studio.
1: Yeah, it was and great. And
0: ho- hopefully he has made his way home uh, successfully.
1: I hope so too. Uh, so uh,
0: Mike, if you're listening to this episode, uh, thanks again for um, spending quite a bit of time with us and uh, putting up with our uh, shenanigans. We yeah. are not the most... Uh, easiest people to deal with but we we have uh we have cleaned up the restroom in case anyone else visits us in the studios
1: probably won't be likely but you know
0: but since mike left it in such a state
1: (laughs) (laughs) can't go two episodes without making a poop joke
0: (laughs) (laughs) so uh well so we are recording the this episode uh in the month of october which is a designated Spooky month. That's right. And we actually didn't get to record last October since this podcast started in December. So you're brilliant. We, we, <laughs> I, I, I know it's the reason why I get paid the big bucks.
1: It's true. It's true.
0: So uh, since that we have not recorded ever in October, uh, we and Zach and I love spooky stuff. We decided we were we would make a couple of spooky episodes as we get closer to Halloween. Uh, so if you're listening to this episode. When it's not the Halloween season, this is our Halloween episode, so it's going to well, not necessarily Halloween episode. It's our spooky episode, so it's still relevant content throughout the rest of the year, but is is just generally a a little bit of a spook theme to it. That's right. Uh, so before we get into the meat of the episode, why don't we why don't we catch up and uh, and then we can get into the the actual meat, as it were.
1: Absolutely. So Seth, what have you been playing?
0: So uh, recently, I actually have been playing Baldur's Gate 3, which is a a game that has been developed and published by Larian Studios, who also did the Divinity Original Sin and Divinity Original Sin 2. I think it's got a tagline instead of a number, but it's the sequel. They got licensed by uh, Wizards to uh, work on a Baldur's Gate game which they were very excited to work on. And they released the game on October 6th of 2020. It releases an interesting term. So the game is in early access, and it is uh, decidedly in early access. (laughs) So there are still um, plenty of bugs. And I've actually been sharing them with Zach as I venture through the Forgotten Realms again, where they are uh, pretty interesting and sometimes humorous bugs
1: they're they're very funny sounding
0: they are very funny um some bugs where uh they where lips don't talk or models will go like t mode where which is where the model like defaults to its stock setting and which is like a t where they have their arms out and they're like perfectly still um but based on but they have really good it's like they have a really good foundation of a game, which I think that they're going to really do well on expanding on it. Um I trust Larian as a studio, so I think that when they release the game out of early access, the game is going to be probably one of the best role playing games. I would say probably one of the best role playing games in this decade, is what I'm going to say. Um nice. and this is starting the decade well. Let's say, because it's the beginning of the decade, let's say at least from 2010 to 2020, I think it's probably going to be... Oh, nice. It may be even better than, maybe even a, the best role-playing game in the decade going forward. It's they've, it's at least game of the year. I'm slowly downgrading it <laughs> as I go along. <laughs> <laughs> At least gave it. It's, game it's got a year. big thumbs up from Seth. <laughs> it's got a it's got a big thumbs up uh, based on the content that they already have in it. They only have about 25 hours that's playable, which is only the first act of the game, which is going to be a three act game. Uh, so you it's ex- probably expecting to be 60 to 70 hours when it's fully released. Wow. Okay. The game has a feeling if you've ever played Dragon Age Origins, mushed in with Divinity Original Sin, which you're going to feel Divinity Original Sin because this is like and that's their kind of shtick. Though it's definitely not as isometric as Divinity: Original Sin, it's kind of zoomed in like Dragon Age Origins, where you see, or like Neverwinter Nights, where you're like, uh, like a third-person perspective versus an isometric perspective. And then it's very much a fifth, fifth edition D and D is is throughout this game. So um, there is like dice rolls for everything. Uh, you like you may be in a dialogue with somebody, and you have to persuade them, and a literal D twenty will show up on the screen and it will roll. That's and exciting. it will have the difficulty that you're trying to overcome present, and you'll see it like countdown, and then you'll get there. So I think that they're really, really doing a good job on incorporating things into with the D&D rules. There are some things that feel more divinity than D&D to me. Uh, one of the things that, that I'm just hung up on is that you need to have, it's a very specific thing, you need to have lockpicks, in order to pick locks, but they're consumable. So you may have a rogue that you're carrying, you're bringing this rogue around, but they need to have like lockpicks to pick locks. I just, I don't particularly like when consumables are tied to mechanics like lockpicking. I think, I feel like thieves tools wouldn't just break every time you use them to try and open a door. Maybe Same with just like crap tools. disabling. Yeah, it's just kind of, goes back to my issues with um breath of the wild oh yeah everything's everything's disposable i don't don't like disposable inventory but the rest of everything else in the game is not disposable it it stays around um from the six or seven hours that i've been playing i've rolled a rogue and then i played a i'm playing a wizard and they're they're pretty fun it's limited selection in regards to uh your character class currently as they they're going to be in inputting more character classes but I think so far it's a good for kind of like groundwork it is $60 and in early access so use that information as you will whether or not you decide to purchase the game um I know this is in our byway pass but I definitely just talked about it in my byway pass with Mike and Zach so it's something where um I actually didn't realize it was going to come out so soon when I was talking about it as the byway pass but yeah Baldur's Gate one of my favorite franchises that we have yet to talk about excellent excellent so Zach what have you been uh recently been playing
1: the game i've been recently playing was one of my by weight passes uh some time ago i don't believe it was the one we did with mike though i think that was i I think are you sure no yeah yeah, i'm I'm fairly certain yeah so the the game i've been recently playing is star wars squadrons which uh released uh, actually as of recording this just uh, a few days ago released in october of this year 2020 so star wars squadrons is a space combat game it's also a flight sim uh, set in the star wars universe it was developed by motive studios who previously collaborated with dice on star wars battlefront 2 and it's published by our best friends over at electronic arts it's a very fun game it is somewhat difficult um, especially when playing as the empire because as seth knows uh tie fighters are weak starships because they do not have shields they are literally metal balls with wings (laughs) that's what they are and
0: and their wings are actually what provides them their power or some something along the lines of their their wings are important to their functioning which is why they are like a straight up and
1: down it's also why like when you in the movies whenever they shoot a wing off the whole thing goes like haywire and usually explodes the game in my opinion feels more like a spiritual sequel of sorts to the old x-wing and tie fighter games for the pc rather than a sequel to rogue squadron despite what the name is because you know your squadrons and star wars you might immediately assume rogue squadron but the game is played more of like the flight sim combat sim that x-wing and tie fighter were um and the game is also played entirely in the first person and it is playable in VR, which I highly recommend. I've played it a few times now with my PlayStation VR, and wow, it is good. It is very fun. So in in VR, um, I actually got a sense of, not head rush, but like, a little bit of motion sickness, but it had nothing to do with the fact I was in VR. It was the fact that, like, I was in space and disoriented because my ship got turned around and I had to, like, reorient myself looking up and down. But it's it's cool to be like you're in the cockpit and you can kind of look up and use your visual scanning to, uh, you know, see if any X-Wings or TIE Fighters are bearing down on you. Um, so yeah overall good game I, I highly recommend picking it up if you if you haven't yet
0: i i have not and i've been thinking about picking it up and it does have cross play which is good so that means zach and i can play together in multiplayer and dogfight i do like dogfighting games um i mean that's why i don't hate xcom interceptor and and i really like the game freelancer which is really good which one day we'll talk about Oh, uh, but uh, this particular episode, we are not talking about Freelancer or no, XCOM Interceptor. Neither. We we are going to be talking about urban legends uh, in video games. Yeah. Specifically. I, I mean, it would be an interesting podcast if we talked about urban legends, not in video games, but it wouldn't be on brand. No, so. <laughs> wouldn't be,
1: we wouldn't be classic gaming brothers. We would just be the urban legend brothers. Ooh. Trademark. CG Brothers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, being this is spooky season and we're talking about urban legends, we do want to put in a little bit of a content warning uh, go forward here. We do have especially one story that does cover some topics in regarding like suicide. So and overall darker themes for this episode because it is a spooky urban legends episode. So listener discretion is advised. There we have it. So Zach, why don't we kick it off with memories about urban legends. So these are these are going to be spooky urban legends, generally, but why don't you take it away?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I guess a a memory of an urban legend that I have isn't spooky at all. It was, uh, you know, growing up, in school and such uh, you know i grew up in an age where it was kind of the new era of the internet so a lot of rumors and stuff were popular on the internet it was very easy to fake websites to make them look real or fake screenshots to make them look real um so a bunch of rumors i used to hear was about hitting characters or unlockable areas in games um one of my favorite rumors that i remember kind of believing for a bit until i you know heard otherwise was that you can unlock sonic the hedgehog and super smash brothers melee which was a GameCube game. Uh, Sonic, of course, wasn't introduced until Brawl for the Wii, so uh, not totally far-fetched. And also Sonic was available on the GameCube with games like Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure 2 being ported. So it wasn't entirely out of the ordinary, but it it obviously was not the case. Sonic is not in Melee. It was some clever photoshopping. But there was actually, there was a, a rumor that you could play as Master Hand, who is the villain in in Smash Brothers. He's the, the character that you have to fight at the very end of the, like, adventure mode. He's this glove that attacks you. And that rumor is actually kind of true because you can glitch the game to play as Master Hand. If you plug in a controller in slot three and then press A and start and like one of the C buttons at the same time. And this sounds like, it sounds like an urban legend right here. Like I'm giving you detailed instructions on how to do it. You also have to, I'm not making this up. You literally have to have your cursor in a specific part of the menu. It has to be like on the player selection and the character name creator option at the same time, When you click it, um, you could spawn in as Master Hand. Um, I I did do it once. I spent an entire afternoon attempting to replicate that, um, that, and I managed to get it a couple times to work. And one time I crashed my GameCube. But those are some of the rumors that I remember. Um, mostly those in Pokemon.
0: Yeah. And isn't it, Master Hand is not that great of a fighter either? Is it? No,
1: he's literally designed to be played by the by the computer. So, of course, he's not great as a fighter. He also doesn't have health in the sense that like so like all the other characters, the way you KO them is you get them up to a certain percentage and then you knock them off the screen. And Master Hand's character is played by depleting health. So it's it's little different when you play as him it's easier to to fight him unless you're really good at playing master hand but you can actually control him a little bit um he definitely wasn't designed to be played though
0: that's like a that's like a niche ability being Good at playing Master Hand.
1: I'm sure someone out there, like I'm sure someone out there, like from the pro Smash community, is probably like the whiz at Master Hand. That's their that's their thing.
0: There, um, we're we're going to be talking about urban legends as the entire segment. So I my memories of them are going to be a specific memory in regards to one that we're not going to talk about in detail, and also not too scary, but kind of scary. scary in
1: its own way there
0: was it is scary in its own way there was a rumor and an urban legend in the original diablo game which was done by blizzard where you could gain access to an area known as the cow dimension where in it you would just fight cows um cows are They're like a thing in Diablo. Um, You can, like, click them and interact with them. So there was some rumor where you could, like, shift into a world of just going into, like, cow hell, as it were, and just fighting cows. Um, It was false. There is no cow dimension in the original Diablo. However, the cow dimension became such a popular... It wasn't a meme because this was before true memes I guess <laughs> um it became such a popular idea that blizzard decided to introduce the cow dimension in Diablo 2 um so there is a, a cow dimension that you can get to in Diablo 2 um through some manner of portal I'm not going to give you detailed instructions <sighs> I, I assume that you can look it up on the internet and Um, where you do have to fight an onslaught of cows that they are able to actually walk on their hind legs and they are spooky. Um, And I'm talking about like hundreds of cows, not not just like 20 onslaught. 20 is not an onslaught, but so like when I say an onslaught, I mean hundreds of cows walking on their hind legs, wielding axes. So they're they were able to incorporate the cow dimension and there is also a cow king who leads the cows this is a he leads them in hell bovine so yes it would say entering the moo moo farm and <laughs> i i will what
1: i'm just laughing at that
0: Oh, the mo- oh, I thought you were laughing at me.
1: No, I was laughing at the Moo Moo Farm.
0: And I will actually say that you, once you receive a quest for killing Ball, or if you're on classic mode Diablo, you go to, you can, com- oh, you t- you can, com- you use a device called the Heratic Cube and you convert a town portal tome with ritz leg while you're standing in the rogue encampment that will trigger the portal to go to the secret cow level so there i did tell you how to get to it yeah after you said we weren't going to but that's fun well you know i sometimes i am hypocritical
1: yeah you know what that's the way it is so let's get into it let's get into these urban legends the the creepy urban legends and I, i will take us away um so seth portland oregon 1981 a group of kids head down to the local arcade to throw their hard earned quarters into a few of their favorite arcade machines. This time, however, there's a new machine there a pitch black cabinet. One joystick, one button. No logos anywhere to be found on it, besides the name, in kind of a, a techie font Polybius, all caps. One of the kids steps up to the, be the first one on it. Quarter goes in, the game starts up. Bright lights flash on the screen, different colors, as the game begins. Now, A few hours or so later, the kids are wrapping up. The one who played Polybius, however, he can't remember how the game was when his friends ask him. You know, they're like, how, how's that new game? He can't remember. He thinks it was good. He goes home that night, and he has a vivid nightmare. Disturbing imagery, fits of night terrors throughout the evening. And the next night, he can't even get to sleep. A month passes, and the kids decide to go back to the arcade. A couple of them want to try this Polybius game and see, you know, what it was all about. But it's missing when they go. The, the space where it was is empty. So they go find the owner and they're like, hey, what happened to that game, that Polybius game? And he says, well, some men in black suits and sunglasses came and they picked it up. They claim to be recalling the game on behalf of a company called Zeneslauschen, which is German for sense delete or sensory deprivation.
0: Bum, bum, bum.
1: So, And that's how
0: the urban legend goes. Um, uh, Polybius is one of the most infamous viral urban legends to be based on a video game. While the story does take place in the 1980s, the origin may have been later. Uh, reports of the story coming up uh, on Usenet, which was a type of a BBS type um, yeah, it's a
1: precursor to the World Wide Web.
0: Yeah, like a bulletin board back in 1994. Uh, But the earliest confirmed report was February 2000 on a website called coinop.org. While the history of the story has been marred in mystery and even has some individuals claiming to have been part of the development behind the game, overall this has been concluded as a hoax. The original idea of the Polybius story often uses traits familiar to the 1980s rumors that men in the Men in Black were secretly recording high scores in the arcade games. A myth that was likely boosted by the popularity due to the 1984 The Last Starfighter movie which involved a kid being recruited by aliens through an arcade game. Uh, despite claims from many individuals, no evidence of Polybius has ever been cohesively proven. Yeah. So if you have a copy of polybius you should let us know
1: absolutely let us know um in fact um, one thing i forgot to include in the notes is there was a request for information from the u.s government um, that someone did and and they concluded that there was no polybius according to the u.s government and this uh request for information.
0: Could be like the when the CIA did the mind control MK Ultra. Yeah. Yeah. It might have been With...
1: who knows? Might have been the MK Ultra of video games. Uh oh. Someone knocking at the door? Is it the men in
0: black? They're gonna walk us <laughs>
1: out. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the next story. Nineteen ninety six. It's shortly after the release of Pokemon Red and Green, reports of Deaths from suicide and illness were reported in children between the ages of 7 and 12. Rumors say these only occurred when the children reached the Lavender Town of the original game. Apparently, the high frequencies of this area, called the Lavender Tone, caused the deaths of at least 200 children. Reportably due to these events, Nintendo had to recall the game and change the music, thus removing that lavender tone. Now in 2010, someone did audio analysis and they saw the words leave now imprinted in the audio using the unknown, who are a letter-shaped Pokemon. Um, and, and for those who might not know, the unknown hadn't been released by the time of Pokemon green and red.
0: Now, this uh, urban legend plays on a few common tropes. Dating the story back in 1996 means the internet use is, once again, sparse. And being in Japan, news wouldn't have necessarily come out from that time period over in America. There was a much greater lag. We We weren't in a as connected of a universe as we are today. And there was a much greater lag for news stories traveling from Japan to America. In 97, there was actually reported that there was an episode of Pokemon that caused seizures in hundreds of children due to flashing screens, uh, which is 100% like that Pokemon was definitely cause for um, sometimes triggering of seizures. Yeah. It didn't help that Lavender Town had particularly creepy music and was actually altered before the English release. Uh, the original story can be traced back to 2010, uh, which was there was a posting on PasteBin.com that was posted anonymously. It may have had some also some earlier days on 4chan, which is a reputable source for information. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> As there have been zero reports of these events before 2010, it can be safely assumed that this is a false story. Uh, Nintendo's altering of the music can be assumed to have been done because the original audio was described as just harsh. yeah, And they were trying to get it into another market and sending a product that got feedback that something was wrong or didn't feel right or was not as the high quality as it could be is a perfect time to change it so when you release it to the new market, they don't have some more feedback.
1: Yeah, and the audio, you can actually find, I mean, ROMs of the original Pokemon Red and Green and listen to the original Lavender Town music, and it is a little harsher than the one we got here in America, but it's not going to give make you sick or 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 worse um it is it's just kind of spooky
0: which the lavender town music is spooky but i mean it is the the town filled with dead pokemon it
1: is i mean lavender town itself is creepy there's dead pokemon and and i think you learn about marowak there the or not marowak the cubone story i think you learn in in lavender town which is you know cubone wears the head of his dead mother which is disturbing (laughs) to say the least about a children's game
0: but if that cubone gets involved in an accident while riding a bicycle his mom will protect him
1: that's true that's true look at that cubone cubone is always protected the next story is uh it's 2010 and a 4chan user oh look 4chan uh (laughs) named alex reputable news source (laughs) reputable news source a 4chan (laughs) user named alex reported finding a copy of of The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask from an elderly individual online who was offering up a collection of N64 games. He described it as being a gray cartridge with Majora's Mask written on it in black marker. The old man gave Alex the copy for free. And as Alex left, he heard the person say, Goodbye, Ben! It was weird to Alex, but he didn't think much of it. And when he put the cartridge in at home and turned on the game, he noticed one of the save files was named Ben. So he assumes the old man may have been reminded of a family member, maybe maybe his grandson so alex started a new file and named it Link. but notice that the npcs were referring to him as ben he decided he was going to delete the ben file and he originally wasn't planning to do this he kind of wanted to like preserve it almost his memory of ben whoever ben was after he deleted it the npcs just stopped using any name it was blank so alex again just kind of shrugged this off and assumed it was still a glitch He spent some more time in the game, and he attempted to perform what was called the fourth day glitch, which is something you can do in Majora's Mask. It exploits the time element that's used in the game, and it effectively gives you a free day. So for those who haven't played Majora's Mask, the game takes place in three days, but you can reverse time. The fourth day glitch will give you a fourth day, kind of boost your longevity. Though when he did this, things got even more weird. Uh, Alex's game started to be bugged out. The version of the world he was in had mismatched textures, the music was playing backwards in some places, and occasionally Link's figure itself would bug out and would become twisted and distorted. Another thing that would happen was he started getting weird messages and stuff in the game and also a figure called the Elegy of Emptiness, which is this image of Link that kind of looks weird anyway, started spawning and following him around in the game. He began chronicling the experience in both video and text, so there are videos on YouTube of this, and then eventually he was able to communicate with this entity known as Ben. Ben began leaving Alex cryptic notes in the save files, such as whenever his character would die, it would say, your turn.
0: The story uh, goes on from there, uh, to the point where Ben eventually possesses Alex's computer, and here's where... Well, here, yeah, hopefully perhaps earlier, you can assume that the story is fake. Uh, in reality, the story was part of some a larger uh, ARG, which is an alternative reality game that uh, spread to a forum tied to a fictional cult. Alex, the writer of the, uh, the ARG game... Uh, eventually came out and said that the story was all fiction. It did have an element of truth to it, as he frequently up- did upload videos to corroborate the story, which is having documents to, or proof, essentially video proof, yeah. to make sure that the story is true, or to make to show you that it's true. Though he did eventually disclose that he made those videos using GameShark cheats and exploits. Yeah. So he did have creepy video footage of the uh, Zelda game acting out, but he did so using um, disruptive third-party software. Yeah. Which, even if somebody shows you corroborating evidence, you should always use your brain (laughs) (laughs) when you're looking at something. Anything, especially in this modern day of technology with deep fakes and all of that, it's very easy to... Uh, produce fake evidence as it were i'm putting up quotey fingers for zach yes yes um, yes. but always just use your y- use your brain and think about something i believe in the theory of occam's razor especially when it comes to anything in regards to uh legends and urban legends and stuff like that and the theory of occam razor is the simplest solution is often the correct one <laughs> and or is the is the obvious like the obvious and simplest solution is usually the correct one so that's kind of how i view life and all that which is why i'm no fun for like ghost tours
1: absolutely and also i think even if you have something like evidence that you know seems to prove it it's always important to believe one of or or at least remember one of my absolute favorite quotes from president abraham lincoln don't believe everything you read on the internet just because there's a picture with a quote next to it
0: (laughs) correct he was a very wise president he was he
1: was a wise president for his time so in our next story it's uh actually i think the same year 2010 (laughs) yeah 2010 Uh, a good good year year for good year for spooky things in 2010 there was a minecraft user who who decided he was going to spawn into a new single player world this is back when minecraft was in beta Um, So everything appeared normal at first, Uh, they noticed a few odd things started to crop up though as they were playing. Um, So one thing was they were running the game on a low render distance, um, due to having just a slow computer and Minecraft being terribly optimized, which it still mostly is. In the distance though, they swore they saw something moving around just outside of their view. Uh, They thought it was an animal, and finding an animal this early in the game is great because you can stock up on food, so they, they chased after the figure. Once they caught up to it, they noticed it was another human figure in the default Steve skin, that you know, blue shirt and uh, pants. However, had white, glowing eyes. Thinking they may have accidentally joined a multiplayer server, uh, the player tabbed out just to check, uh, but it was a single-player game. And he considered it may have been a bug of some sort, so he continued playing. And as he did, he noticed some other oddities. There were two-by-two two tunnels in the rocks small pyramids made of sand in the ocean, and whole groves of trees without leaves, and this uneasy feeling of being watched. They went to the forums to check to see if anyone else had a similar experience, but after they made their post, it was deleted within a few minutes. So they posted again, it was deleted even faster. This time, however, they received a DM from a user known as Herobrine. The message said, stop. You know, they went into to the profile of Hero Brian, the page 404. So some time passed, but this mystery continued to plague the user. So he eventually decided he was just going to reach out to the company that made Minecraft, Mojang. Specifically, he's going to reach out to its founder, Notch. Um, so at, at this time, I'm pretty sure Notch was really easy to get in touch with because his email was like in the game. It was like notch at mojang.net or whatever. So you could literally just send him an email, like what you could do with Gabe Newell for a period of time. <laughs>
0: I mean, he could still send Game Newell an email. I'm sure you could still easily send Notch an
1: email to yes. him. He saw some mention on, on a couple of uh, forums and such that, that the name Herobrine was maybe attributed to a, a Swedish gamer, possibly a family member of Notch. So he was really curious if this might have been an Easter egg to a family member. So he reached out to Notch and he asked Notch, hey, did you have a brother who went by the name Herobrine? Or the username. He went by the username Herobrine. <laughs> Uh, To his surprise, Notch responded and said, I did, but he's no longer with us.
0: So, creepy story for sure, uh, but it can be easily disproved. Uh, Marcus, the real Notch, uh, confirmed he never had a brother. Uh, He has a half-brother, but that half-brother is still alive and they, uh, they've they never met. The fans of Creepypasta may speculate that this could be a cover-up, but further investigation of the earlier story reveals that the images are likely Photoshop, and due to their low quality, they appear slightly more um, legitimate. The story works well as an early Minecraft was plagued with bugs that could often cause odd items to generate randomly in the world. Also, as most Minecraft fans were uh, young kids, they we weren't playing on high-end rigs and would have to play with lower render distance, which all of this together is tells a good story, but is not a factual story.
1: So for this last story, I think this is really good because we actually, we have some stuff to go along with it. Now, this story was from a self-professed Sonic fan who received a mysterious CD from his friend. The CD was labeled Sonic.exe in black Sharpie. And along with the CD, there was, there was an audio note on the CD. Um, so we're going to play that for you right now. All right, let's uh, let's get this in here. Right, Tom, I can't take it anymore. I had to get rid of this thing somehow before it was too late, and I was hoping you'd do it for me. I can't do it. He's after me. And if you don't destroy this CD, he'll come after you, too. He's too fast for me. Please, Tom. Destroy this godforsaken disc before he comes after you, too. It's too late for me. Destroy the disc. And you'll destroy him. But do it quick. Otherwise, he'll catch you. Don't even play the game. It's what he wants. Just... Destroy it. Please. Child. So yeah, I mean, Tom thought that was pretty weird, and it, it does sound pretty weird, I think, at least to me. So he decided to, you know, play the actual game that was on this CD. It was an executable file. It was labeled Sonic.exe. And when he launched the game, it appeared to be very similar to Sonic 1, you know, that classic startup jingle with Sonic's hand. I'm doing the little... Now shaking his finger, but when he pressed start, the graphics instantly shifted. For just a split second, where Sonic's graphics became more dark and disturbing. He thought it might have been just a, a hack. I mean, there was plenty of these like spooky hacks that were going around of Sonic the Hedgehog. Now, when the game started, there was a file select system, which isn't in Sonic One. And, and and Tom, he he was smart kid. He knew this. He knew there wasn't a file select system in Sonic One, but there was one in Sonic Three. So he's like, oh, that's cool. They added this in. There are three different characters available. Tails, Knuckles, and Robotnik. And he played through all of them, and each level he played through, the game just got more and more disturbing. He described seeing realistic blood being present in the graphics, being chased down by this floating Sonic with black eyes. And when the Sonic figure would catch up to him, the sound of Kafka from Final Fantasy laughing would play. Finally, after the game finished, the screen was filled with this demonic-looking Sonic face. And he turned off the game because he thought he heard a sound coming from behind him and he turned around and there was a sonic plushie staring back
0: uh, un- unfortunately um our friends Tom and Kyle um they're they're no longer with us um they 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 moved at least that's what that's what we were told this one we don't have any anything to prove this wrong beyond the cd that we received um that has the sonic.exe on it uh zach still hasn't had a chance to ter- boot it up but yeah, he's probably you know, thinking I'm, about I'm, doing i might some. do it on stream you know maybe this weekend. maybe we'll maybe we'll stream it this weekend maybe on halloween Ooh. um that's it i don't have any i don't have any facts no it's, it's spooky it is spooky that's a fun cd so yeah so that's going to be our um urban legends dun, dun, and dun. real stories and, and real
1: story a true story
0: a true story mi- mixed in with our urban legends. Yeah, that's going to be it. Um, wh- why don't we uh, move on over to talking about the future? Yeah. Which um, is not a Sonic.exe. Which is not. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I'll go first. The game that I'm excited about buying, waiting, or passing on is a game called The Uncertain. And then the tagline is Light at the End. The the uncertain is developed by uh, New Game Order and it's published by Meta Publishing. The light at the end game came out in October. It was in October on the eighth. This the uncertain is a story driven adventure game that's set in a post apocalyptic world where humanity has disappeared from the face of the earth and has been replaced by robots. Now you play as a survivor and. You will witness how people try to live through a world that's ruled by robots. Uh, interesting. They interesting. It's a continuation of a series that the uh, called the Uncertain World, and the first game is called Last Quiet Day, where you play as an android in this world. So the first game you play as a robot. And the second game you play as Emily, who's a human. And it's very, uh, from my opinion, it looks very telltale-ish. And it's got some sci-fi vibes for it. It's definitely a game that I'm interested in. Um, I will probably be putting this down as a weight, though. And now that I know that there's this continuation of the series, I kind of want to play the first one in the series and see how that is. And then um, if I like it then pick up the second one
1: there's that nice well that sounds cool that sounds like a interesting game
0: I don't think it's enough it's I you know it's at that level where I'm gonna wait to buy it versus buy it immediately or right. buy it when it's an early access like Baldur's Gate 3 and
1: <laughs> deal with a bunch of T posing so the game that I am by waiting passing on, is Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales Woo! developed by Insomniac Games, published by Sony Interactive Entertainment. It is the follow-up slash continuation slash kinda sequel-ish. It's like expanded DLC, I guess, in many ways. Yeah. It's like standalone yeah. DLC of the PS4 Marvel Spider-Man game, um, which which came out uh, back in 2018. This one is due out in November. I think it's November 12th. Um, of 2020 for the ps4 and ps5 which uh made a bunch of f- ps5 fans very grumpy because they were like we thought this was only going to be for the ps5 and all the ps 4s fans are like ha, ha, "Ha so the early adopters are grumpy the game features miles morales as the name implies uh as he explores his newfound abilities after being bitten by a radioactive spider much like his mentor peter parker who spoiler alert is Spider-Man. Overall, yeah, it looks great. I loved the first game. I I've spent a lot of hours swinging around New York as Spider-Man. Um, one of my favorite parts about the first game was the story with Peter. I think he was a great character and the relationship he develops with Miles in that game I think was really fun and I really wanted them to explore more on it. So I'm happy they're doing just that. I can't wait to play as Miles. And, and get my new Spidey skills all adapted because miles can do some cool things he can do like electric shocks and he can go invisible and stuff
0: yeah so miles Morales is part of the ultimate uh universe in the Marvel universe so Marvel has different universes and one of the universe that Marvel is very similar ish to DC where DC has multiple Earths one of the u- universes that Marvel has is Ultimate, where uh, there's a lot of um, similar stories that are different. Yes. Um, and Miles Morales is one of those similar stories. He does take place uh, in a in a pretty prominent role in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It's a great movie. Which, it is a great movie. Um, also brings in other Spider-Mans from other Spider-Worlds, um, including... Uh, uh, spider gwen and uh, um was it um noir spider-man oh
1: yeah spider-man noir
0: <laughs> spider-man noir um who all, what's great is they um in the spider-man into the spider-verse some of the spider-men that come from other universes have their own comic book lines which is great so then you can if you want to read more spider gwen miles morales or uh spider-man noir you could you can read that spider-man noir generally shoots his people his his enemies um he's also a detective he's like spider-man if he was batman good ideas
1: um that is gonna be it for our urban legend episode we talked a lot oh did did i say if i was gonna buy it i'll probably buy it yeah i love the spider-man game so (laughs) i'll probably buy miles Morales. um yeah it's 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 one of those things i I bought the dlc for spider-man so yeah i'll get it so that is urban legends spooky scary skeletons send shivers down my spine that was the episode um and um if you're listening to this on halloween because you wanted to hold off until halloween to listen to it then you might have a couple other spooky episodes that you need to listen to but happy halloween uh seth do you want to tell our fans out there our many fans and maybe our first time listeners first time listener First time buyer? I don't know. All the ways that they can reach out to us, all the ways that they can listen to us, and all the ways that they can support us.
0: So you can listen to us uh, through various podcasting apps. We should be on most of the podcasting apps, including the new Amazon one, because I think they have one. Um, I mean, I know that they have one, and I know that we are on it. Uh, So when we are there Um, so you could go through and listen to whatever you choose to listen to us You can also listen to us on our website, which is uh, classicgamingbrothers.com and On that website, uh, beyond listening to us, you can also contact us. And you can go to the Contact Us form on the website, fill out the form, and it will send us an email. You can also just email us direct at ClassicGamingBrothers at gmail.com. You can also email Seth at ClassicGamingBrothers.com, Zach at ClassicGamingBrothers.com, ClassicGamingBrothers at ClassicGamingBrothers.com. However you would like to do it, they all go to the same email box. I'll read them. Zach will ignore them. And I will respond. Uh, sometimes Zach does respond. Uh, if you get a Zach response, then you are golden. <laughs> Sending us a response also will enter you into a possibility of winning a prize. And that prize is to look at a list of games that I have that you may want. and Or don't. They are all Steam uh, PC games. So... Be aware. Um, you could just head on over to the good old send me the send us the email. I'll send you a list and you'll pick from the list. It's great. Um, and to support us just listening helps us out if you can you, we we'd appreciate if you could review us on whatever podcasting app that you listen to us on um reviews help us uh at, help us be discoverable and help us be found and which is what we like to do because i mean who doesn't want to listen to two brothers talk about video games it is a very specific niche genre i give it that but it's not like two brothers talking about the benefits of flatware or be- between like silverware and um steel and stuff like that you know like
1: giving away our next podcast classic flatware brothers
0: (laughs) so it's not that niche but anyway also you could support us by telling some friends we always say tell three friends if you want to tell more friends about us because you like us so much i we're not against that um like we're not morally against you telling more people than three people We maybe ethically against it but not morally so tell friends uh like subscribe share you can follow us on all of our social media our Twitter is CG Brothers pod and then our Facebook is and our Instagram, and our Twitch are Classic Gaming Brothers. So, Facebook's Classic Gaming Brothers, Instagram's Classic Gaming Brothers, Twitch is twitch.tv slash Classic Gaming Brothers, Zach has a VS Classic Gaming Brothers, if you ever want to see him play Twitch games. Sometimes he plays Twitch games. Our main account is Classic Gaming Brothers, and so sometimes he uses it as well, if he wants to play games without me. We sometimes do not use Twitch for weeks, and sometimes we do it multiple days in a row. So, uh, we'll try to at least get one spooky game before the year is out. Or at least October is out. Um, one more spooky game. We did play a spooky game already. Yeah, we've played a few. Um, we've been, we'll try and get a spooky game with um, some of our streamer friends together before the year's out. Absolutely. Um, and um, also, if you want, you can go to the website. You can also buy merch from us. We have a t-shirt and the mug. It is the same t-shirt and mug that have been there since, I don't know, the episode that we launched it. We do have some ideas for for new shirts and mugs so well shirts um so the mug is actually pretty legit i recommend if you want a t-shirt or a mug you can buy that you can also wait until we make new ones well tell people to make new ones i don't actually make shirts and mugs so with that Uh, I think I got everything. Uh, Zach, is there anything else? Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother.
1: I've been Zach.
0: And I've been Seth.
1: And we've been the spooky gaming brothers.
0: No, that's wrong. We've been the classic gaming brothers. You got it, you got it. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going to boot up Sonic EXE?
1: Yeah, I think I'll do that right. Oh no, Sonic's guiding me! Ah! That'd
0: be weird having a plushie eat you. (laughs) Ha, <laughs> ha,